You're listening to the On The Go with VAO News Podcast for the week ending May 20th, 2016. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is our weekly recap of the top headlines from the Daily Acquisition News. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Bill Olver, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Dara Curran, content developer and fellow news writer. The contractor hired to assist the Office of Personal Management with strengthening its IT systems has ceased work on the project due to its own internal financial issues. On May 9th, OPM officially terminated the contract for non-performance and default, although work was only scheduled to run through June 2016. And, according to spokesperson Sam Schumach, OPM expects little impact on its operations as a result, although it is working with the Department of Homeland Security to assess the projected effects and develop a contingency plan. OPM and the General Services Administration have selected 109 vendors to participate on the Human Capital and Training Solutions, or HCATS, contract, which is part of the administration's category management initiative and open to all federal agencies. The two contracts comprising the program, one unrestricted and one small business set-aside, are together worth up to $11.5 billion and have a base performance period of five years, with one five-year option period and one six-month option period, as well as a five-year period to allow for task order completion. GSA has added a new special item number for health information technology acquisitions to its IT Schedule 70 to help support increased health IT purchases by federal agencies. According to GSA Senior IT Specialist Roya Kansman, customer agencies were having a tough time finding the health IT expertise they needed, and the SIN will help them obtain more quality proposals from firms that really specialize in that particular technology discipline. GSA has released a draft modification for its professional services schedule under the Multiple Award Schedule program that will require contracting officers to incorporate Service Contract Act wage determinations when they place task orders. The change applies to all schedules under which services are provided and all covered labor categories under these schedules. GSA will remove wage determinations from existing contracts and will no longer require contractors to provide them each year. Instead, contracting officers will be required to decide if a wage determination is needed for an order and to incorporate that determination when an order is placed. The full details of this change and links to additional information provided by the Department of Labor are available in our news coverage linked to the podcast page. The Navy may release the RFP for the follow-on to its Next Generation Enterprise Networks contract as early as next January, 18 months before the expiration of the existing vehicle. Navy Deputy CIO Janice Haith noted at an event this week that the new contract is expected to add further capabilities to the 34 service areas currently encompassed in the $3.5 billion program. The Air Force will hold a full and open competition to replace its fleet of UH-1N Iroquois helicopters after industry partners cautioned that a potential sole source strategy that relied on Sikorsky Blackhawks as replacements would have serious adverse effects on companies conducting independent research and development on rotocraft vehicles. According to Lieutenant General Arnold Bunch, the Air Force's military deputy for acquisition, the service needs 72 aircraft to replace the 40-year-old fleet. Senator Steve Daines has voiced concern over the decision, noting that a competition was the slowest possible replacement method. Those poor guys. It's like you try to save money on something and people are like, oh, no, what about the poor vendors? Which (laughs) I see the point of that argument, but my gosh, it's not it's not a charity for heaven's sake. So 
The Senate on Tuesday voted to confirm Eric Fanning to become the next Secretary of the Army. Fanning was most recently serving as Acting Undersecretary of the Army, in addition to his stints as Air Force Undersecretary and Navy Deputy Undersecretary. I did not even know you could skip around from the components like that. He was nominated in September to replace outgoing Secretary John McHugh. The Senate version of the fiscal 2017 defense policy bill proposes dissolving the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition Technology and Logistics and moving those duties to a new Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering and Undersecretary of Management and Support, which is a new position established in the 2015 NDAA that will take effect February 1st of the coming year. The thinking behind the move is to give more emphasis to keeping the United States on the cutting edge of defense technology, a position that has been eroding as tech innovations come more and more from private sector firms everywhere around the globe, rather than from the traditional U.S. defense industry. The House's version of the bill does not propose dissolving USDATNL, but does contain proposed reforms aimed at speeding up delivery of military technology, in part by granting the services more flexibility to experiment with prototypes and emerging technologies. Both measures are now up for floor consideration. In regulatory news, we saw a new federal acquisition circular this week, FACT 2005-88, with five final rules. Effective on May 16th, one final rule implemented a few editorial changes. The other final rules will become effective on June 15th. The first requires contractors to protect information provided by or generated for the government from unauthorized access or disclosure if that information will reside or transit through their systems. The second directs agencies to procure, when feasible, alternative products that do not contain high levels of hydrofluorocarbons. The rule includes contract clauses that would direct contractors to take steps in furtherance of this policy and require limited contractor reporting. The third final rule requires the head of a contracting activity to approve any determination to select more than five offerers to submit phase two proposals for a two-phase design-build construction acquisition valued at greater than $4 million. The final rule reinstates a higher simplified acquisition threshold for overseas acquisitions in support of humanitarian or peacekeeping operations, which was accidentally deleted from a previous revision to the rule. (laughs) The final, final rule? Yes, the final, (laughs) final, final, final final rule. So NASA has done something kind of interesting. They released the source selection statement for their IT infrastructure integration program enterprise application services technologies to contract. And some contract attorneys say that could be a model for increasing transparency about major award decisions. In this particular case, NASA's source selection decision was protested unsuccessfully. And in its decision, GAO mentioned the excellent work NASA had done documenting its evaluation and the reason for its award decision. So nice job, NASA. The 16-page document details the evaluation process for both offerers, the strengths of their proposals, and how each earned its evaluation score. Now it is available for viewing on FedBizOps. Although some contracting attorneys were surprised by NASA's decision to do this, the Procurement Integrity Act doesn't prohibit the agency from disclosing these documents after contract award. And the attorneys also noted it could serve as an example of a very well-written source selection decision that can withstand legal scrutiny, and agencies might want to consider using NASA's example as a guide. According to Bill McNally, NASA's Assistant Administrator for Procurement and Deputy Chief Acquisition Officer, the agency has released similar source selection documents in the past, in part to be more transparent, and that it is current policy to release them all.
Uh, this week, we also saw the release of the second Fatera scorecards uh, from the Ooh. House Oversight and Government Reform Subcommittee on Information Technology. Um, that actually came fairly quickly. I think it's only been six months since the first ones. Um, Wait, I thought it was a year later. <laughs> yeah, no, it's only been no, it's November, November-ish. Um, the scorecard uh, gives agencies letter grades on four areas still. They have not added to them yet. Uh, it's contra- uh, data center consolidation, portfolio stats, savings, agile development and risk assessment and they also got an overall grade for Viterra implementation uh, once again no one received an A for an on an overall grade uh, although most grades were better than they were last time hey. uh, the, the Department of Commerce led the rankings with an overall grade of B and several agencies received A's in the individual areas um, at a subcommittee hearing addressing the scorecards uh, David Pounder directed uh, director of IT management issues at GAO discussed the progress and challenges of implementing Fatera and how agencies are improving IT management. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, David Pounder was at, a, at an event that I attended, the uh, Fatera event uh, for, by, from Meritalk, and he talked about the scorecards and some of the, you know, the next iteration and some of the reports that our uh, GAO is preparing on Agile and the IT dashboard. Um, in both cases, he said, agencies were perhaps over-reporting their use of Agile and under-reporting risk to the IT dashboard. Um, In his testimony uh, this week, he gave a preview of the two reports that we can expect uh, in the very near future. Um, First, uh, GEO uh, reviewed reporting to the IT dashboard, and as I mentioned, they uh, identified more risk than the ratings that agencies reported. Uh, in particular, uh, GAO reviewed 95 investments and their assessments matched the CIO ratings um, only 22 times. Uh, the GAO found more risk uh, 60 times and showed, oh. yeah, and showed <laughs> less risk only 13 times. So uh, about two thirds were under reporting risk. And GAO again said, and this is something that I kind of guessed at when the, the original time we talked about this is basically they were there's a misinterpretation of really what OMB was was asking for there's you know just eh, mostly it's eh, some 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 of the reporting isn't very current and some of it is just they're not sure what to what to report mm-hmm. um, now in the review of agile development it was very similar um, geo reviewed how seven agencies were using agile and found differences in the percentage of software projects reported to GAO as being agile and delivering capabilities every six months, and the percentage reported to the IT dashboard. Uh, for example, specifically, uh, the percentage of software projects reported to GAO by the Department of Commerce decreased by about 42 percentage points from what was reported to the IT dashboard. So oh, no. Yes. <laughs> telling... It's the opposite of agile. Yeah. <laughs> it, very stiff and flexible. Yes. So now this again, this was in part to agencies having different interpretations of OMB's guidance on how they're reporting. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like there anyone's trying to, to trick OMB, but you know, there's just a difference in what they're what they're saying and a little bit of interpretive uh, issues there. So that's a little preview of what we can expect from GAO's full reports, which are out uh, due out soon, probably by the end of June, as I recall. Um, what what Pounder said at the Meritalk event. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. I they need to get their apples to apples and you know, like suppose you plan something to be agile and deliver capabilities every six months, but but then you get delayed. Like is it is it agile? Is it not? So I'll I'll be interested to see, you know, kind of what yeah. they come out with. So also at the hearing, Department of Commerce CIO Steve Cooper said something interesting. He appointed one of his senior staff to act as the department's full time program manager for Fatara implementation. Which <laughs> first of all, you must be like, Ooh, yay. <laughs> your little like Fatara fan club there, uh, but that makes Commerce one of the few agencies with a full-time Fatara position. I remember you talking about Flip Anderson at USDA and how he was getting senior leaders to buy into the new collaboration requirements and CIO authorities at Commerce. Cooper also is going to be involved in the budgeting. He has full visibility into each bureau's IT budget, so he can fully understand both the budget request and the spending, and help identify opportunities for collaboration and strategic sourcing as well as contract consolidation. He also has the authority to review and approve all acquisitions above $10 million, whether or not a program was initially determined to be IT procurement. I'm <laughs> interested in what, the, what they're saying internally about that. Um, yeah. Previously, his office only participated in acquisitions over $75 million. So this is way more insight over way more acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. We had, we had actually had a lot of Fatera news this week. Um, in an interview with uh, Federal Times, Department of Transportation CIO Richard McKinney uh, also talked about Fatera and specifically about how DOT decided um, at what point the CIO needs to be involved in IT acquisitions and purchases. And the department had considered requiring approvals at the requisition stage, so the CIO would have to sign off on requisitions, but they decided that that was too late, actually. Sure, and, yeah. you know, once you get to the requisition, programs have already had the conversation about, well, what technology should we use? How should we use it? Right. Yeah, so, that's <laughs> way, way later way than late. they're supposed to be looped in. <laughs> yeah. So, so DOT has got the approval much earlier in the planning process. And Cooper has asked uh, the operated operating administrations to provide their spending plans for the whole year. So the, the plans are setting out how much money is available, how it will be spent, and then the OAs are sitting down with the CIO's office and walking through the plans line by line, and together they look for synergies. They look for things that are duplicating or overlapping with what someone else is doing, um, opportunities for shared services, other areas uh, where money can be saved or more efficiency is introduced into spending. And I nice. think, yeah, I mean, it's it's really nice to see some of this starting to come out. I mean, it's and it's actually, all things considered, it's happening fairly quickly. You know, Viterra really isn't that old of a law. Um, you, all, you know, compared to you know how slow moving some things are, so right. um, you know we're seeing a lot of examples of how how agencies are implementing Fatera. Um, none of them are doing it the exact same way. Uh, they have different focus areas. They have different priorities. You know, some some are just trying to break down the silos. You know, some are you know further along and and getting the implementation in. Some are focusing on the C-suite executives, um, mm -hmm. but they're all taking the spirit of the law to heart. And, you know, they're sharing their experiences with other agencies. So it's good to see. That's so awesome. And I also love to just that there's specifics that they're laying out. Like, you know, hey, is it 10 million? You need to get them involved in the decision making right. and, and where in the process it needs to be. Because if you're just like, okay, we got to implement this. Man, people don't know what to do. You need to tell them exactly, you know, here is the process. Here's where we expect it. So it's 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 great to see everybody jumping on board in the specifics. But yeah, I, I love the different, you know, interpretations and stuff. It's uh, 
it shows that this can be this can be done and that you you know yeah. when they give them a law and say tailor it to how it works for you guys uh, this is going to be a benchmark for for other such applications so that's that's really cool very exciting and you must be you just have a great week with your Patara stuff I know I know, <laughs> I know. It, 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 it is it is good to see you know so you know so many th- times you see these things that there's you know the administration changes or agencies balk or their law is not really clear there's no enforcement mechanism um and and but this is one that's really i mean there's not a whole lot of hammers in it you know there's not a lot of sticks um in there as far as punishing agencies if they don't do it other than you know i guess <laughs> the public humiliation <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know but they're really they're really dry you know there there's a lot of agencies that are really driving it we haven't heard from everyone obviously but you know we're hearing from different quarters we're not just hearing from the same two agencies that are real excited about it you know this is the first time i've really heard a lot about what commerce is doing um and there were a lot of other folks testifying at that hearing as well um so we were getting different folks talking about it and and some are much further along as we knew even a year ago um you know when omb's guidance was coming out and and when more information was coming there were some that were already pretty far ahead Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still, you know, we're hearing now from you know, different different corners and, and everybody seems to be taking it to heart. It's good to see. Yeah. And even if there aren't a lot of sticks built into the, the legislation, I think that the carrots will become self-evident uh, when you have, you know, these IT people on your team to bounce the ideas off of. And, you know, they know this stuff and could be like, oh, well, have you thought about this approach? And people will be like, oh, my God, look at all the money you just saved us. So anyway, that's uh, it's it's good to good to see that coming out. So yes. new developments all the time. All right. If you are a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, uh, you will find links uh, to all of the news coverage on the same page on VAO where you downloaded this podcast for further reading and reference. Thank you for tuning in today. You can join us again next Friday, May 27th, to catch up on all the latest developments from the Daily Acquisition News. Goodbye.